to another grand final show, everyone. We're back. Uh, the same crew as last week. Like all good teams, you go in with an unchanged lineup. That's the way I think this works best. So um, after the positive feedback from last week, we thought we'll, we'll get the crew back on board. Thanks for all the comments and all the, the live listens and the like. Uh, Tiger71, welcome back to you, mate. Hey, thanks for having me, mate. No, no drums at all. Good to hear that we're both actually sounding a lot better. We're not sick anymore. Like you said, the, the Collingwood loss really pepped you up, didn't it? Mate, Collingwood, <laughs> Collingwood losing by under a goal literally could cure cancer. I don't know why the scientific community doesn't make it happen more often. And uh, Gokadok, how what's it been like being down in the heartland of Geelong after we've knocked them off? When they were winning at you know, halftime, they were looking good. Has, has it been a salt mine down there? It has. It's been a salt mine all over social media, but I tell you right now, it's been dead quiet in the city centre. Absolutely dead quiet. It's like a ghost town right now. Do you walk around with your Richmond gear on? Uh, I did that today, and I'm, I'm proud to say I got a few death stares and a few <laughs> uh, not not so nice uh, remarks from some elderly gentlemen sitting at the bus stop. But you know, it is what it is. Well, you're probably but probably lucky that you're here is... with us. Well, the bright side is every Geelong female, every female living in Geelong would have start throwing you their, you know, their panties because they know you're the only bloke that's working. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and Justin Charles has joined us again. Why stop a good thing? We're on fire. We're going to go three from three with these podcasts in the final series. How are you, mate? Fantastic, mate. On top of the world. And uh, I'm just going to play a straight bat today. I, I, I'm just uh, really pumped and, and just in admiration and... Uh, just feel fantastic about what our boys have achieved and what an amazing season they've uh, they've had and um, fully deserve a grand final berth. I'm really proud. Yeah, it's it's been an incredible season. I mean, as much as all of us really love what the boys have done and where they're at now, I think a lot of us may have thought we might have made the finals at the halfway point of the year, given what our record was at. I don't know if anyone really fully believed we could go to the, all the way to the grand final, but they obviously did, and that's all that mattered. If you... So I had the honour, and, and I, I keep harping on this, I had the honour and good fortune of hosting the Richmond Executive Group this year, and 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 I got to speak and interview with the players, and I've been pretty solid on this all year, and it wasn't pie-eyed optimism, it was based on what I was seeing, and um, week to week, and I called it a long way out. I, I said that we were able to win the Premiership this year, and... Uh, um, I've got witnesses. I've, I've been solid on that all season long. Uh, I just had that feeling of what I'm observing. It's a special group. It's a real special group. The leadership is just on point, and there's a lot of factors that all start in the psychological realm first. They're doing a lot of things right psychologically um, and performance psychology-wise, uh, and, and they're, 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 walking, they're walking the talk. So... Um, a lot of clubs say they do stuff, but, you know, Richmond are actually doing it. So that, that's what I was basing that on. And we'll touch on the VFL a bit more after, but uh, for those who watched it, the, the reaction of, I mean, obviously the players playing after the game are obviously ecstatic, but the camera pans across to the senior AFL boys. Alex Rance is jumping around like a lunatic, chest-bumping blokes, and everyone was just gen, like genuine excitement for the VFL boys who won. Uh, and it's kind of infectious, isn't it, I think? It really is. Um, it, yeah, it really is. Now, we'll talk about the prelim game just quickly. We obviously played the Cats 
last week in Richmond 12-13-85 defeated Geelong 9-12-66 by 19 points. Got off to a good start there, Grog, didn't we? Three early goals, but uh, the Cats took a, sort of kind of got a hold of us for the first half, really. They were cutting us up through the middle of the ground with their little slick ball movement and 45-degree kicks, but half, after half-time, it just turned around. Yeah, it was it was a strange game. I mean, the first quarter, um, as I said, that that first half, I felt that we were all over them. We just couldn't capitalize on our on our pressure and everything. And then they sort of worked their way into the game. Obviously, when Jack Graham popped his shoulder, Dusty caught that cork. Dusty caught that corky and uh, everything. And then that that second quarter, where you know we went into halftime twenty one points down. I don't think we played all that bad. It was just, you know, we just couldn't... It was just a few simple mistakes, a missed handball or a, mi- a missed kick that really stopped us from, from getting forward. But I thought we got our hands on the ball in the second quarter. It's just silly little mistakes and missed targets that really stopped us as well. And then going in, 21 points down, I don't think Geelong could have played any better than what they were doing. And we couldn't have played much worse in, in regards to, you know, our, our target, our you know, our disposal and everything. So I went into halftime really confident that, you know, we'd be able to run over the top of them because that's sort of the way that we've been playing is sort of absorbing their pressure, in uh, the opposition's pressure in the first half and then running over the top of them in the second. We, we play a very energy-conservant game plan in the first half. We defend the space and allow the teams to do their short kicking, which takes energy from them having to lead to the football into that that open space to take them the mark to you know retain possession so while we sit back and defend we're not using any energy at all and they're having to use players in that 25 meter burst to get the ball and it sort of chips away their their energy levels throughout the game and then we just surge over the top in the second it's almost rope dope style absorb 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 and then punch in the second half and it was just an amazing amazing game and i'm so proud that the way that we fought back after after half time that third quarter was absolutely brilliant yeah, I think uh, we said, like sitting up in the stands, that it, it was probably most important that we kick the first goal of the third quarter. And uh, Tick71, I'm not sure about you, but within about a minute and a half, you could just tell the boys were switched on for that third quarter. The the whole intent of how they were playing was completely different to that first half. Yeah, look, how I sort of noticed the game was in the first quarter. I was always worried that the first quarter, because of the bye, and they've just coming off a game that we might start a little bit slow. And we didn't play too bad, but we had everything that could go wrong to go as Grock mentioned, you know, we had injuries come left, right and centre. Um, um, uh, you know, Martin hurt himself, so on and so forth. So, and in the second quarter, um, we I, we didn't play badly, but we didn't play to our level, if that makes any sense. But in the third quarter, I sort of said um, two things happened towards the end of the last quarter, second quarter that gave me a lot of confidence. It was when Danger did that dive, he came out, head wobble, being really lippy. And a few of the players were feeding off that. And um, Dusty got the shits, and he's pretty um, transparent, like, you know, hard on his sleeve, so you could physically say he was pissed off. But looking at Cochin, he was fucking angry. He was angry. And not saying a word, but you could see in his face, he was not happy. And I, I turned to my mate, and I said, look, you know what? I said, don't be surprised if we just go bang, bang, bang on, in the fifth, um, in the third quarter. And that's what we did. Um the last two quarters was brutal. It was a message that GWS should understand. It's when you play Richmond, you play four quarters. Um, when you play Richmond, you know that um, no matter what part of the time it is in whatever quarter, 
you're probably a second away from us turning it on, and if we turn it on and you don't stop us, we'll run run away with the game. So our opponent's concentration levels have to be, particularly at the MCG because we weaponised it, they have to be above what they normally have to have in games, and it's really hard for them. Um, to keep that level of concentration because once we get that chink, we just run with it. And that that third quarter and fourth quarter as well, I was really proud with because we stopped the Cats' momentum when they try to push back. Um, and then we just kept them at bay, conserved energy. And you could tell we were just waiting for the grand final day. So um, I'll have to say, I've got to say, I know you'll probably get to it, but Jack Graham. Oh. I heard his shoulder popped out four times yeah. during that game. Yeah, Vlossen, right. I think Vlossen confirmed that on one of the talkback shows on, over the weekend. Yeah, four times. Could you imagine that? And this this guy still laid five or six tackles. He had more tackles in Dangerfield. He had more tack- tackles in Selwood. Um, let that sink in a bit. For me, I, I look, I hope he gets to play on Saturday, but he's a type of guy, and, and he, he probably is, um, it exemplifies um, our team. He'll probably say, nah. He'll, he'll make the call. He'll probably say, no, if he's not 100% right, you know, let someone else have a crack. And he'll be happy yeah. um, for that hey. player stepping in. Yeah, agree. Uh, so all of what you've said is valid, guys, and, and this is how I, I saw it. And I'm going to quote um, Damien Hardwick here in his press conference. And he's just an elite performer in, in these press conferences. Uh, I mean, win, lose, or draw, he's just so articulate and level-headed and uh, emotionally mature, which is more than we can say for some. But um, I really, I mean, you're right, guys. We, we weren't playing necessarily that badly. Um, and, and this is the AFL. The, the AFL, you're being scrutinised everything that you do, right? And so Geelong aren't just going to lay down with their legs in the air and cop a, you know, a hammering. They're going to do stuff to upset your rhythm and upset what you do, and they came out, and and they they really did, and it was it was it was throwing us into disarray a little bit. Combined with, I mean, we were really sloppy by foot, careless, and sloppy by foot at times. You know, we we started really well, um, and then you know Dusty was sharp early, and then he got that corky above the knee, and then Dusty had a second quarter that was sloppy and careless. It was poor by his standards, um, and. Uh, I just thought Geelong were executing exactly what they wanted to do. And I'm going to quote Damien Hardwick. He said, offensively, Scotty is elite. He changes things up um, uh, offensively, and they were getting through us, and we couldn't adjust quick enough. And in the first quarter, we we knew what they were doing, but it took until halftime to explain to the players and for them to understand. Um, And so there weren't massive changes that they had to make, but the players implemented them. And that sort of summed things up, and that's – you know, when we say they, they take, well, you know, we, we take the opposition's best punch, that's what happens. You know, these clubs, they come out, they've done their homework on us, right? And so they're, they're picking us apart, and it takes us some time for the coach's box to have a look what's happening, work it out, transfer that information, because there's no runners anymore, right? So they've got to wait till quarter time and half time to get those messages across, and then we get the game on our terms. We, and Damien Hardwick, quote, unquote, we got it looking more like a Richmond game, and and that's what happens. You know, you could, you might be able to stop us for a period of time, but your tactics, we're going to pick, we're going to pick your tactics apart, and then we're going to get the game back on our terms and make it look like a Richmond game, and and that's how I felt it sort of played out. I mean, I mean, just going through that first quarter, um, and I tell you what, this kid, 
Shea Bolton with a just like he's working hard, but there's another level. I reckon when he learns it to work harder and to get front and square on offense as much as his defensive pressure, I mean, he is going to be under, he'll kick 30 or 40 goals a year just with the big setup that we've got down there. I mean, he's got feet like, you know, like he's, his feet work so quickly and he's so hard to catch and he's so creative with his use. Um, I thought, and he finished up with a really good game. I thought, um, but we were just so – I counted, and I've got, like, on about half, or seven, seven times that, uh, that we kicked straight to an opposition player in that first half. Uh, and we're just turning the ball over, you know, ridiculously. Mm, yep. And then after half time, you know, the guys were able to really lift as well as implement the, the, the adjustments that they had to make. And then we see Trent Cochin, who – you know, Tiger seventy one. You mentioned he was seething. Well, he came out like he was seething. That first tackle. Now, Mark Robinson cops a lot of flack for some of his articles in the paper, but he wrote an article, you know, a full pager on on this particular tackle, and he was bang on. It really set the the tone for for the next three quarters. And you know, the, the before in the in the first half, the tackles weren't sticking. You know, we weren't sticking yeah. our tackles, and they were sort of walking through our tackles. In that second half, we were driving through the tackle. We are picking them up off their feet and drilling them into the ground. And, you know, um, Bruce McAvaney said, Geelong has only uh, has led by this much and only lost once. Is this a match-winning lead? Well, the answer to that, Bruce, no. It's not a match-winning yeah. lead. They got hammered. The, yeah. 20, 21 points at half-time is Geelong's highest winning margin uh, since 1930 that they've lost from. It's like... You know, twenty-one points at halftime. It's not a it's not a great lead. It's three goals, but at halftime, it just shows how good Geelong are over three over you know three or four quarters over that period of time. They don't, you know, they don't get overrun from a three-goal deficit at halftime. But we managed to do it. We we obliterated them in that that third quarter. It was just amazing. Yep. We uh, mentioned danger field or danger flop before. What about Brian Divers? Now, I had a little bit of respect for him going into the uh, early part of the game. He was playing all right, and he kicked a few goals, but my God, did he fall to the ground a few times. The the footage that the media were trying to get Hawley done on, there was seriously a sniper up in the roof. It had to have been. He yeah. up in the air and just landed back down on his knees. You know, like it was embarrassing. My yeah. opinion on that is, he's a young kid, right? I don't really actually... Um, believe he's responsible yet because of his age is because what I mean by that is he looks at who he looks at the coach he looks at the captains he looks at the leaders at the club and all of them are divers all of them are duckers right all of them try to cheat the system by flopping right if you look at Selwood he's renowned for it duckwood people call him danger people call him danger flop because whenever the pressure gets really intense in finals and he showed it perfectly um in the second quarter and, and, and in the third every time he got attached um you know that pressure goal on the third um where shy shy bolton does the handball pressure gets it and kicks it and that basically sealed the game just before that yeah well it was it lynch yeah but just before that yeah. um dangerfield got bumped by lynch yeah, which i think <laughs> but if you notice dangerfield he flopped like he got like he got poleaxed right he, he had a poleaxed. Well, I don't it was a big hit. I reckon it was a big hit. No, I don't reckon. No, I think he, if he was strong enough, let's say he was a Cochin or if it was a Graham or another, yeah, if they got hit up, but they would have bounced back, right? They would have bounced back. 
um, and they would have tried to get up. He just laid on his back like he just got hit in the head, and he didn't. So that Myers kid, little dreadlock boy, he's he's copying what his leaders are doing. Um, and then I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he cops the heat. Um, and I'm, my fear for that kid is that the people around him will say, you did a good job. Yeah, well done. Don't worry about the haters, the people external. You continue doing this. And if he continues doing this, um, he's going to be a less of a player because he dead set dived. And he didn't just do it once. He did it three times during the game. Um, he did yeah. he took yeah. easy out. Um, and Geelong will never get to the real level. They'll never. I don't believe they're a top eight side. I reckon the home, but I mentioned that in the last podcast, home games um, at home fluctuate their results. Until they get that out of their game and actually play with spirit and integrity for the contest, they will always be a Minot side. Yeah, I Look, agree. Let, let's, um, let's uh, I think credit where credit's due here. Uh, look, like the top four, I mean, the top five or six sides, they're very good football teams. And I, I think they've, uh, one of two things has to happen. And, and I'm not taking a pot shot at Chris Scott, but he's getting left behind uh, in personal development stakes. Um, you know, I think far out in front of the pack, you've got um, Damien Hardwick and you've got um, Nathan Buckley. Nathan Buckley is so close to, uh, to, to cracking the system. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but you saw his press conference. Um, I, I love the press conference. The press conferences for me is there, are as important as the game. Uh, and it really reveals an insight into the character of the team and, and what have you. Um, uh, and and I just think Chris Scott, he, he's just really, he, he's so guarded. It's like he's, um, it, it's like he's um, trying to hide something and doesn't want to give away anything ever. And then these other elite coaches are just uh, really not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. They're they're communicating with integrity and honesty. And um, I reckon that's where it's their leadership. Like, they're a talented team, let's make no mistake. They are a talented team, Geelong. Um, and I think their leadership is what needs to be uh, improved. And they need to spend some dollars and some resources in upskilling and tooling them uh, with the sports psychology uh, side of things, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, the, you, you talked... You, talk, you talked about the press conferences and everything. That was evident after the game Friday night when the first question that Chris Scott, was asked, Chris Scott was asked was, what was your message to the boys after the game? And he just straight away just goes, it's private. It's oh, private. Yeah. It's like, what a dick. It's like, you know, most, most coaches in that, in that uh, yeah, most coach, coaches in that situation would be like, you know, the message to the boys was, you know, we did some things wrong, we did some things right, we've got some things to work on that we'll do over the off season. That's generally the straight really cut answer you. that most coaches give. Yeah, you know, we had a great season, you know, despite the adversity, everything that happened, you know, yep, rah rah rah. But Chris got straight away. No, it's private. It's private. It was very snarky, very arrogant, very. Yeah, I I do not like him as a coach. Like I just find that he's arrogant and just. Self-absorbed, he's, he's a complete wanker, to be perfectly blunt. But, hey, Scotty, are we a better team this year than we are last year now? Um, well, he even actually contradicted himself. He actually said in that press conference, oh, you know, Richmond's been clearly the better team for the past three years. Yep. 
Which right. was good. You know, like, yeah. Which was good on him. But I reckon someone in his ear, because the way he said it was like he was yeah, having a shit course. as he was saying it. His media guy would have said, you have to say something positive. Because if you don't, you're going to confirm everyone's opinion that you're an absolute clown. Um, yeah, I still don't rate him. He, he yeah. won't change. He won't change. The reason is he, he reckons he's Albert Einstein, um, but he's not. Until he can understand his limitations and empower those around him and get people that might be a little bit smarter in certain areas of the game, like Hardwick's done with our assistance, um, that he won't improve. And then, yeah, they're going to stagnate. But, um, yeah, I can't stand the guy. Look, he's, the, he's, the smartest, he's the smartest person in the room, and he'll tell you that himself. That's his problem. Yeah. And, and look, you know, you know, here's the thing. And tactically, he's pretty good, okay? We've got a, you know, for, for a half a footy, they had us on the ropes. Um, and uh, even in Dimmer's own words, uh, Geelong were all over us and we didn't even look like it, right? Um, so you've got to give him props. He, he does some things really, really well. But the public relations and the sports psychology side of things and, and um, uh you know, the fish digs from the head down, and when you carry on like a, if you carry on childishly and with no emotional in, uh, intelligence and maturity, that sort of filters all the way through your club, even through to your supporters. And um, on the flip side, we look at Damien Hardwick, and his press conference was littered with effusive praise for Geelong. You know, he mentioned on numerous occasions, um, you know, uh, how, how good they were, how good a team they've been, how we aspire to be like them, how Scotty's elite in his tactics and, you know, just really recognising the opposition. And it, it, that's not just, um, that's not just uh, false flattery. That's not servile flattery. That's like genuine heartfelt. He means it. And, and when, you, when you mean it like that and you, you're communicating with humility and um, grace um, and intelligence and emotional intelligence... Like it just makes you pr- it makes you proud as a supporter and makes you want to be better yourself it, right through to us as a supporter, and so that filters through the whole club, and um, I just reckon now they may have to move Scott on right they may have to if you like what you're saying guys if if, if he doesn't find another string to his bow and it's in the in the area of uh, you know PR how he speaks with integrity and honesty and emotional intelligence and. Um, personal development and and that kind of thing. Um, Geelong are just going to hover thereabouts because it's not at the elite level. It's not about who can jump the highest, who can kick the furthest, because everyone can kick and jump the same. Like it's all everyone. The the opponent that you're playing against, Robert Walls always said this is either a little bit better, a little bit worse, or the same. The, the physical stuff that you can measure is negligible. It's who's up for it on the day, and that resides between the ears. So. Yeah, spot on. The- Speaking of uh, having it between the ears, Tom Lynch, well, we, what a performance. Um, five goals, 10 marks, 12 scoring involvements. Just a game like that, you know that internally for himself completely justifies why he made the move that he did. I mean, he wanted to play in the big time. He wanted to play finals. Um, obviously, there was uh, the chance he might have gone to Collingwood, and they made finals as well, obviously, but... To be on that prelim stage and stand up with that kind of performance was just sensational, Tick 71. Oh, mate. Look, a couple of things, though. Like, people are still, even to this day, um, because we've got pressure and we've got Caddy, they try to now target Lynch and say, you know, he, he left G a 
Gold Coast Suns. He spent eight years there. He did all of his um, he did his penance there. This was his dream, and he he, he just he's, he's people were knocking him at the start of the year, and I just couldn't freaking believe it. You know, we had even if you look at the uh, round three against GWS, where um, they all go on about how GWS smashes, but people forget to mention we didn't have Jack Rewalt. We didn't have Hawley. We didn't have Grimes. We had Short do his elbow two minutes into the game. We had Rioli get um, lose a quarter and a half after getting slammed into Davis's hip and nearly puncture a lung. And then we lost Cochin at the end of the third quarter. And then so this poor bloke who even has come out just recently should have only played 12 games, has had to play under duress, has had to play more minutes than he should have, and the guy's kicked over 60 goals. It's something like nearly 100, 100 scoring shots he's, he, he's had um, throughout the year, and it's sensational. And I'm proud. Look, I'm, I'm as proud as punch with him. Um, he deserves everything that's coming his way. Um, and I have to admit, you know, watching Collingwood and GWS play after reading some of the tripe that they've said, you know, oh, lucky we bypassed Lynch, lucky we didn't get Lynch. If they had Lynch, they would have won the game. So, I mean, that made me a little bit... No, nah, but I'm, look, I'm proud of Lynch. He's he's a standard bearer. He's going to drive our culture forward. Um, on his press conference today, he was more than... Trench Koch said something that really made me happy. He goes, um, Lynch is fantastic because he lives and breathes our values on and off the field. Um, so, yeah, no, nah, we've we've done really, really well. Really, None really well. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I mean, couldn't get any better. It, I mean, it just... Lynch's worth just goes to show itself when you look at the GWS Collingwood game. Collingwood, you know, had a had a buttload of inside fifties in that last quarter, but they had no one to kick to. I mean, their key their key forward at the time was Brody Majacek. He had four disposals all game, four disposals. He, he his first kick came at the twenty nine minute mark of the third quarter. His first disposal. It's just it just goes to show you that the importance of a genuine key forward who can tear a game apart is a massive, massive difference in finals. What I've loved about... Um, it, that's so true. And and when Cochin speaks, and there's no higher praise than what Cochin said about him, he lives and breathes our values on and off the field. There's no higher praise than that. And, and, it, and it just shows. It shows the way he plays. Because Lynch has had, by every measure... Uh, a, a Coleman medal type season if he had a kick straight. Like he missed, he's missed some sitters, okay? If he kicks even at, you know, for a little bit higher accuracy, he's got the Coleman as well as a premiership medal and potentially uh, a Norm Smith coming up if he plays like he does this, he did this week. But he's done it every which way, you know? He's played hurt, uh, he's kicked bags, he's sacrificed himself playing up the field to let someone else. Uh, he's worked hand in hand and mindful of his uh, field position regarding Jack. I mean, he, he's just done it all. He, he's a hard man. He, he loves the physical stuff. He'll put a body on and protect his teammates and rough other guys up. He's, um, he's the complete player. And, and anyone, and, and that's what makes me laugh a little bit. And it's all right for us because we watch Richmond intently and closely every single week. So, so we're across it and we get to see it week in, week out. I feel sorry for the likes of Matthew Lloyd, who he's just looking at stat sheets and highlights, and he's seeing that early on, you know, Lynch not doing much uh, on the scoreboard or or, uh, or uh, on the stat sheet. But anyone who's there watching the game, his work rate and his willingness to work for his teammates and protect for his teammates has just been off the charts. And, I mean, he, he just deserves everything he gets. I couldn't be happier for the bloke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned that. 
You mentioned Matthew Lloyd there. It's funny that you say that because I was watching Access All Areas on the AFL app uh, about an hour before we actually went live, and uh, Lloydy actually admitted that he got the Lloyd one wrong. He said that he wasn't across, you know, the whole start to Lloyd's season, uh, the Lynch's season, you know, all the interruptions and playing hurt, and then Jack having, you know, going down for that extended period and Lynch having to do it all, all himself. But he goes... He got it wrong, and Lynch now, you know, he's starting to find the space from the defenders. He's starting to push up. He's starting to get involved, and he actually apologised because, he, as he said, he sort of got that one wrong based on the facts that he had at the time. So that's right. He's they're not looking at as closely as we are. Like he's got he's got eight eight games to look or nine games to look at every week and come up with intelligent sort of comments. And he's paid to make controversial decisions, and he doesn't yeah. shy. From making them either. So, uh, and and you know what? I know Lloydy personally. He's a fucking great bloke. He's a really really nice bloke. Good family. All of that. And if if he says something, he he means it, right? He means it with integrity. He doesn't mean it from a from a bad place. Um, and he's got the balls to say it. But have a look. I, now I didn't know that, but he's also got the balls to apologise. So yeah. that's full credit to him. He got it wrong, and he was the first to apologise. Yeah. So good on him. Yeah, that's all you can do in those situations. Uh, yeah. The other player I want to highlight as well, we were, I mean, we spoke about Jack Graham, but uh, Dion Prestia, I know we've spoken about him the last couple of weeks, but bloody hell, what a game. 28 oh, disposals, God. two goals, five marks, five tackles, and he gained 744 metres. That's just off the charts. And uh, if you're GWS, you have to take a serious look at him and try and work out how to stop him. Oh, he's yeah. just the jet. And you know why I like him? Because he runs straight lines in the midfield. He's, when he needs to use his agility, he does, but... If he sees an opening, he has the courage to just Power punch runner. it. Yeah, Power. just yeah, punch through it. Um, and he's kicking, funny enough, into forward fifty is not that bad. Sometimes, yeah, I call him. I don't call him meatball. I call him shotgun, right? Because sometimes he's kicking, you don't know where it's going to be hitting. But he's now playing with intent, um, and he's kicking over the football, so the ball's generally darting straight. Um, yeah, I'm wrapped with him. He's we're seeing. Uh, well, people were laughing. Why did you pay pick six? You're overpaid. He's just justifying. Get him a proper um, preseason fit. What he's going to do for us, and I reckon he's actually going to get better next year and the year after that. He's an actual jet. No doubt there. He he's an elite. Yeah, I mean, elite, elite centre clearance. You know, one of the elite centre clearance players in the league, and and he's kicking. I mean. I mean, we use the. I mean, I throw that word around a little bit, but there's no other way to describe it. His kicking has become elite. You know, it's long and accurate, um, but also he's got the touch. You know, those couple of those passes bursting out of the centre to Lynch and you know some of our key forwards has just been unbelievable. Yeah, and I think the fact that he's got that penetration and depth in his kicking now shows just how long it does take to get over sort of those. You know those injuries that you have over a sustained period, especially the knee, the knee injuries, they do take time. And it shows with Lynch, if Lynch is this good now, off, coming off three years of, you know, knee injuries, and it's taken Prestia two and a half, three years to get over his, if Lynch is this good now, how good is Lynch going to be in oh, two, three years once oh. he gets completely over them? So I think <laughs> one you of, imagine? Yeah. Calm down, Tig71. <laughs> One of the most uh, underrated uh, aspects about Dion's game for me was the fact that, yeah, he kicked the two goals, but he also had three direct goal assists. It just showed he Dion himself contributed five goals to our total score. 
Lynch contributed six, obviously had five and had a goal assist himself. But, you know, 28 possessions, he smashed Geelong's midfield to, to bits. Like, that, his third quarter, he was just back to that that player who, in you know, 2010, 2011, in his first couple of years at the Suns, everyone was, you know, saying that he was going to be a Brownlow chance, smoky and all-Australian lock and everything because he was just that hard-running, you know, nuggety midfielder with skill, with pace, could pinpoint a pass and everything. And now we're just starting to see him get back to that. And it just shows the pick six that we gave for him was was a massive bargain. In, in what he actually brought to us. Even even if he did nothing else, he was an integral part of us winning the 2017 flag. Now he's an integral part of us possibly winning our 12th flag. That pick six is more than paid for, paid for itself oh, right now. More than. Um, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and it's... I, I laugh at some of the, some of the experts and, um, and, and uh, media types that... You know they're, they're, what they look at on the on the uh, stat sheet is not how we value players. Um, and and I wanted to bring up um, Jack Rewalt. He he had by any measure of of his standard a nightmare game on the on the weekend. And but you know what? He still contributed. And I, I don't think um, I mean he missed three absolute sitters that Jack normally kicks in his sleep. But you know he never stopped trying and he never stopped um, how he's grown as a leader and how selfless he is. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about that goal in the third quarter where he, he drew two opponents. It was a contested mark and he had the drop. Uh, he's marked from a worse position uh, than, than when he, than he went for this ball and he saw dusty. He read the situation really quickly. Didn't even try and mark and just deftly tapped it into his path and dusty ran yeah. into the hole. And you know what? He didn't even try and mark that. And he had the drop. He had the drop on his opponents. He could have marked that himself. As I said, he's marked from a worse position from that in the past, and he could have marked it. But he did the yeah. team thing, and uh, and it's just it just speaks volumes of where we're at. And that's that's why I, I say when I, I'm not cocky when I say we're going to win the premiership. I'm 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 just reading that that kind of stuff is hard to stop. You know, it, it's so hard to stop when you're when you're trying to bring your your teammates into the game, and they're trying to bring you into the game. It's like trying to stop the the damn wall. You know, the boy with the figure in the dike. You know, every time you plug one, there's another one. There's another leak that springs, and you don't have enough hands to plug them all. So, um, and and that's what that's what my where my confidence and predictions come from. Now, I'm no oracle. I'm just reading what <laughs> I'm just reading what these guys are presenting on a weekly basis. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you mentioned that goal. It's it's you know it goes back to Jaden Short's kick. That was yes. a six that was a sixty five meter kick, and if he yeah, had that, a kick that how a player normally would, you know, out in front, that Geelong yeah. defender in front of him, I think it was Jack Henry would have taken that intercept mark. Yeah. Short Shorty knew he had that to put that meters on, in my notes. <laughs> yeah, like. Shorty knew he had to, he had to kick that high. He had to put, sit on Jack's head to even give Jack a chance. And you know, at worst, it was Jack was either going to take the mark, and then obviously you have Dusty coming, you know, around the back as a sweeper, you know, into the goal square. So Shorty sit it on the head. Either Jack marks it or he taps it straight onto Dusty, and we we see what happens. But just on on Jack's game, I mean, yeah, Jack had a dirty. Dirty night, like there's no other way about it. He he got absolutely taken to the cleaners by Colin Jasny, but 
what Jack did was he worked the space brilliantly. He took Kolodjasny out of any of the, those inside 50s that Kolodjasny and Henry liked to intercept. They liked to peel off and come over third man up. Jack actually drew him out of the contest and gave Lynch the genuine one-on-ones. And if Jack didn't do those kinds of things that you don't see on TV that don't get a stat, you know, there's no way Lynch kicks five. There is absolutely no way Lynch has the game that he has because Jack sacrificed his game. He knew it wasn't his game. He wasn't marking anything. He wasn't getting the kicks. So he made sure that he gave Lynch every opportunity to have the game that he couldn't. And and some of his tackles, like he had – I, I, I've got in my notes, he had five tackles that absolutely drilled the opposition. Like he, they, they stuck and they hurt. And And, you know, early on what was interesting is that, you know how sometimes – They've got this incredible team first mentality, right? And it's all about sharing the the footy. But sometimes Jack's one of those guys that doing the team thing means being a bit selfish and kicking the goal. And I just thought early on he was caught in two minds whether to share it or kick it. And he's an elite kick. So there are times when the club needs him to kick the footy. And I just thought he got caught in two minds early in it. It rocked his confidence a little bit, and so he went straight into team mode. And But some of his tackling were, was just unbelievable. First, yeah, first rate. That, it's funny that you say about the selfishness side of things. That's, one, that's something that Michaels and I are very vocal about on the board is the fact that we are sometimes too unselfish for our own good, trying to get the handball over the top yep. for the easy goal when we're 25 metres, 30 metres out directly in front. It's yeah. like sometimes we just need to go back, back ourselves in with the set shot because it looks great when it works, and I'd say 75% of the time it does work. But that 25% can come back to haunt you, and we have seen it a few times where we've tried for the easy goals and it's turned over and the other team goes down the other end and, and scores quickly. And we have lost a couple of games for it, especially last year because of the you know that trying to get the easy goal in. But... It's one of those things. You can understand why we do it. We sort of want to get our teammates into the game. But at the same time, what's more important, getting teammates into the game or getting the four points? I think sometimes we get that a little bit skewed. We sort of lose sight of the goal sometimes, especially when there's a a game that's close or, you know, such a blowout. But, yeah, I I think sometimes we do need to go back, back ourselves in, take the set shot, play, play the percentages. But Grok, what sometimes, um, but what that the reason why we do it too is it reinforces the message that we're telling every single person that plays with us that we love chaos, right? We love a continual movement of the ball. And so, yeah, so if we um, started doing like a Geelong and a Hawthorne and the like, they like to you know have set rules, no play on up when you're in forty meters, set kick. Um, Teams get to know the other team's habits. So with us, they don't know. Um, so sometimes we'll take a set shot. Sometimes, you know, we could be 30 metres slightly out and just kick it to Lambert. You know what I mean? Um, they always yeah. have to be moving. The defenders always have to be on. And it just wears teams down. So I don't want us to change. Sometimes it frustrates the shit out of me um, yeah. when we do it. It was like in the grand final 2017 Prestia's goal when, Lam- um, when there was a beautiful tackle on Sloan by Townsend on the wing. Which caused the spillage to Jack, who then handballed it, I believe, to Rioli. To Lambert, yeah, and Rioli did two shepherds for him. And then Lamb- Lambert handballed it to Graham, who handballed it then to um, to Prestia. Any one of those three could have taken the taken the shot, right? Yeah. But it's just that continual flow of movement. And yeah. um, it's what makes us unique. It's our brand. It's what we do. 
and it's the more thing, than more than just yeah. the it's more than just the chaos aspect to it. By the way, it's the share. It's bring your teammate in so that yeah. it's not so long since he last touched the footy. And if everyone like if everyone is up and getting the touch, then everyone's feeling good, and it's hard to stop. You know, so it's that share and care about each other that that comes through. And I'm and I'm with you, Tiger seventy one. Like I'd rather see that, and we fuck it up a few times. You know, and you know we'll be frustrated. We'll fucking pull our hair out. But in the long run, it's what we're seeing right now. We're in a grand final, and we're going to win it by ten goals. So, oh, yeah. it also, you know, yeah, it, it's more it's a confidence thing too. Like you know, you're having a dirty day. You know, nothing's going right. And if you get that cheeky went over the top kick a goal, it's like you know maybe I can turn this around. You know, it's you know can't, might not be my day, but I can have my moment. Then. Just that belief of okay, I've got one. You know, pressure's off a little bit. I can start focusing on okay, next one, next one, next contest, next contest. It's just sort of breeding into that mentality of you know, let's let's get this one right, do this, and then we can focus on the next one. I've won this one, I can win the next one. Whereas if you're had a dirty day and nothing's going right, it's like you know, the, the mentality sort of slips. You know, okay, I'm probably not going to win this. You get that negative mindset, and that sort of that sort of breeds. Whereas what we do. With that handball, yeah, I would like us to go back and take shots <coughs> a little bit more than we do, especially 25 out directly in front. But at the same time, it's, it can, it's easy to understand. We are a confidence team. We play massively on confidence. And if someone's having a down game, getting, that, getting them involved does breed that confidence, makes us a better team in the long run. All very good points there, fellas. Um, I've got down some notes to talk about the VFL. We probably won't be able to dedicate too much time because we've got, obviously, the the big preview for our own game. But the VFL boys played a, and won a magnificent grand final on the weekend. Richmond 8-10-58 defeated Williamstown 7-13-55 by three points. Got off to a flying start. Well, I think it was 28-0 in the first quarter. But uh, to Williamstown credit, they clawed their way back. And they got plenty of shots on goal. And uh, yeah, they pegged us right in. But I just want to talk about the last few minutes of the game. It was a really intense contest, and um, a couple of players that really stood up, Riley Collier-Dawkins for yes, such a young kid. Yeah. Uh, the composure he yeah. showed to slot those crucial goals. goals in It looked pretty blustery, to be honest, with the way the flags and the ball swinging around. That was just a really great sign from a young player to step up like that. Uh, Pickett was obviously very good. And Townsend and Morris... I mean, if you're going to go into a final, they're the two kind of blokes you want on your side. They're just so tough and so non-negotiable when going at the ball or the man with the ball. Um, just really, really good to watch. And full credit to the VFL team. They thoroughly deserve that that grand final win. But um, yeah, Riley Collier-Dawkins, take a bow, mate. An excellent last quarter. He was just... Cause it was Absolutely, his- yeah. It was his method of the way he did it too. Like, it, he, he did that one burst out of the centre. Did a, a ball... Oh, he's got a bit of toe. And then he hit this beautiful pass and hit the leading Richmond player on the tip. Um, but he did it when it was like the, the game needed someone to step up and do it. And then his second goal, which was just pure class. We weren't scoring. We were scoring point after point after point. And he just took ownership of it, streamed in yeah. and, and kicked that long goal. It's One uh, for me is Marlon Pickett too. He, I watched him intently um, on Sunday. He... I'm of a belief that he, if I know we're banking on Ross to fill the role, but I would, if we want, I reckon, because see, Marlon tackles. He can create pressure. I think he's got enough of a tank now, um, regardless if you take away it being a, um, a grand final, but just an AFL game. I reckon if we wanted to be brave, I reckon Marlon 
um, should get a crack. Um, and it's nothing to get Ross, but Marlon does some things that you're born with that type of skill set. He, well, no matter he's how much, he's, he's old, he's 27. Yeah, he's 27. But he's got time and space. It's like only a few players have it. Um, he can. He was getting swamped. He was getting tackled left, right, centre, and he, he will balk. Look, okay, I need a run. 10 steps, then deliver, instead of that quick kick, hack kick that goes up in the air. So he will add value to us on Saturday if they pick him. What was the yeah, call? I mean, yeah, it'd, be, it'd, it'd, it'd I mean, be a bold call. It'd be a big call. It'd be a heck of a story. Just the only thing, and it could go either way, I reckon. Um, we, we know, uh, look, he... he the things that go in his favour are everything that you said. He's a mature player. He's he's a bigger body. Um, he's got some runs, uh, some miles on the clock uh, in terms of experience, body strength, um, composure under pressure. But what does go against, there's nothing like, there is nothing like uh, the AFL. There's, there's nothing like it. You can't compare it. Um, you know, yep. they say he's playing above the level at VFL, but it's, you know, it, it's nothing like it. And it can be a bit of a, a bit of a shell shock. So it could go either way. Um, I'm, I think Richmond and and the current uh, leadership aren't sort of, they're not predisposed to rolling the dice. You know, like taking it's it's whether they think, or whether they think it is actually rolling the dice. How they how they're assessing. You know what what metric they're using to assess the risk on actually picking him. Um, Marley on picket that is you know are they how are they assessing the pros and cons um, because from from where I sit and my ignorant point of view I think it's too big of a risk to bring a guy in for his first game because you've got the guys that they held over in Ross and McIntosh you know proven performers at the level so you know be interesting to see a lot of intrigue yeah uh, just on the, the VFL grand final um, obviously you know, there's been a lot of talk about RCD. You know, there's been a lot of hate on the ball for him. And people has need it? to realise really? that... really? I haven't read that. It, yeah, it has. A lot of, Unbelievable. Yeah, I haven't read that. But yeah, no, there's been a lot it. of hate for him on the board. And people need to understand, this is his first year in the system. He's a very skinny kid. He's growing into his body. He had a massive growth spurt, you know, in the last 18 months. So he's still you, trying to get... You need to get a better connection there. Sure, he's sure. going to have to fill out. But if... How, is this better, guys? Yeah, yeah it's there we better, go. Mate. Is this better? Yep. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, he's, he's still filling out into his frame. Um, he's got a... You know, he's been smashed around playing VFL, which has got a lot of hard senior bodies, he's got a lot of ex-AFL players and current-day AFL players too. So he's still trying to get used to playing against men. To see that speed that he's got, being able to break contests, he's got a long raking kick on him, beautiful skills, and, you know, he's, he's going to take time. We knew that when we drafted him. He was always going to take time. So I think it's unfair for people to jump on him now saying he's not going to make it, he's going to be a bust when he was always going to be a project player. He's not there were comparisons to Bonson Pally, but Bonson Pally had grown into his his frame a lot a lot quicker than what, you know, R C D has. But the one player that we haven't mentioned for the uh, VFL game who I thought was arguably arguably close to best on ground was uh, the Eggman, Derek Egmelesi Smith. I thought his composure from the back half was 
absolutely brilliant. He was, you know, calm with the ball, composed, aggressive. You know, his defending was brilliant. He was he was the one player who kept us in in the back in the back half when um, you know Williamstown were pushing. He, you know, he didn't didn't really lose the contest all day. So I think he's one that needs to be talked about as well. So I thought he was he had a really good game. Uh, just on Pickett. I agree with Justin in that um, I think it's not the right time to give Pickett a debut. I think obviously a grand there is a massive, massive difference between VFL and AFL standard, and we've seen so many players not be able to make that transition in an AFL, you know, home and away season. And we know finals are always up in intensity themselves. So I think that while you know that there is uh, that that temptation of know, bringing Pickett in because he is the unknown. He hasn't been exposed to AFL, so clubs can't plan for him and the way he plays. I also think it's a massive, massive risk in that we don't know how Marlon will actually transition to AFL level. And while I'm a massive fan of Marlon, I've watched him at Waffle level a few times and was stoked that we landed him, I still think it's too too big a risk. And I think Jack Ross and, and Camden McIntosh are probably the two that should play because, but as Justin said, they do have exposed form at, VF, at VFL level and AFL level, and I'd be more confident bringing one of those two in to handle the pressure than Marlon because Marlon is a, is an outside runner, a lot easier to shut a player like him down than it is a player like Jack Ross who gets the ball at the call face. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, interesting selection coming up, but um. Yeah, congratulations again to the VFL boys. That was an exceptional win, and I'm sure they will thoroughly enjoy that. Before we get stuck into the preview for our grand final, uh, TK71, did you have a quick update on the Brad Crouch situation? Yeah, I do. I'll touch on Brandon Ellis. I mentioned the last podcast, but also mentioned, I think a month or two ago, that the numbers I was hearing was um, five years and six, I thought it was five to six. Um, apparently, they've come out in the... Uh, I don't know if you just ripped off what we've basically said, but it's essentially Gold Coast um, has and him agreed to terms, you know, five years at 600K, which was the upper end of the dollars that I heard. Um, my mate that I got it, get this sort of mail from was convinced we'll get a bottom round, first rounder for him at those numbers, um, which I still think we should we should um, do. That definitely is going ahead, is he's, he's going. Um, which is good luck to Brandon. Look, from me, he's look, he's got some deficiencies in his game, but he's also got a lot of positives in his game. He comes he from a... a yeah, he had a crack at the last game. Oh, he did, didn't he? And the thing is, is that sometimes footy takes a secondary need. He's come, his family's not... Um, and I mean this right way. I grew up in Broadies, so my parents aren't full of cash. So he's, he hasn't come from a wealthy background, so... He's got to secure not just himself but his family because he puts his family above himself a lot of times. So good on him. He's now got a contract where he can do that. Um, you know, by I think he just brought his mum a house. So I'm rep for him. I'm rep for him, and I hope he has a good five years. Um, but on Crouch, um, all right, <laughs> I heard some. There's going to be a lot of hate that's going to come our way, right? But I, when I first led with this. Um, everything he's told me has come true, right? Which everyone knows. I'm not going to repeat it now because I appreciate it's uh, it's 20 past eight. Short version, Mick. Um, remember when I mentioned about Lynch um, and it was getting closer and closer and closer, and then we hit the final period and the Lynch talk just died. Yep. And then what happened after we won the grand final? Yeah, it flared up again. 
if led up again. So that's generally what's happening at the moment. From what I got, my mate is fairly convinced, well, from recruiters in the industry, <coughs> they're 80% convinced that he'll be coming to us. Um, just want a bit of a caveat here. His manager has shopped him to other clubs, right? Um, in, very early on in the process, shopped him to, you know, Gold Coast, shopped him to um, Hawthorne, shopped him to, um, you know, any club that would, this astronomical figures, right? But it was all smoke from what I've heard. Um, we've been into this now for the past 18 months. Um, our only risk is, is who they appoint as coach. They're going hammer for tong, but they haven't signed him yet. Yeah, they haven't done the, yep. the terms yet. So that's crucial, right? Clubs would be signing. You know, Stratton just agreed to terms. Anyone that's agreeing to terms are doing it now. Um, if you don't hear anything... Now, you hear it this first in this podcast. Guys, if you haven't heard anything this week about Brad Crouch recommitting, I reckon he'll be a Tiger. Fair yep. enough. There it is. Um, Joel, it's interesting. I posted... Uh, Say that again. Yeah, just on that. I... Say that again. What was that last thing that you said? I yeah, just phased out a little bit. Yeah, if you don't hear anything um, from Brad Crouch's management during our grand final weekend that he's recommitted to Adelaide, right. then... My gut feel is he's going to be a tiger. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, and and just, just to yeah. clarify, people are going to say, "Oh, but we haven't got the cash." Yes, we do. Ellis yep. was uh, um, Ellis was a um, salary dump, right? Because at the time when we re-signed him, we put we paid him more than what we normally would do because we had to do that. <clears throat> That's why people are sort of puzzled how could we afford Lynch? Dusty's contract was set perfectly, um, but I'm not going to rehash on that. So we've got plenty of coin to get this done and still have money to reward those that we need to and still have, but I reckon once we get Brad Crouch done, we'll probably be set for the next couple of years, my Very personal good. opinion, but yep. there we go. As, yeah, as, yeah, as I posted in the, uh, the convo, you know, about this podcast, um, I came across some mail today from a friend with connections to, you know, obviously us and someone else for, who has a connection in the Geelong Football Club and um, they told they told me today that uh, Geelong had approached us in regards to Butler, who I think we've all um, sort of confirmed that he's going to be a Colton player. I think that's that's obviously going to happen. But the one that surprised me and makes sense for Geelong, given what they need, they need outside speed and they need grunt. But uh, apparently they've inquired about Camden McIntosh. Yep. So I think he's... Yeah, he's another one I think that could be a salary dump. I mean, he's on he's on a decent wicket now. I mean, he'd be on you know the three hundred and fifty four hundred thousand for us right now. But I mean, he's obviously the, a player that Geelong need. They need that hard running, aggressive type player with speed, line breaking ability because they don't have that. Um, but he's also one that you know I wouldn't be surprised if he does leave. Have you heard anything on Macca? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned in our convo a, a, a while ago that Mac is being looked at by other clubs. Um, but before, but with the Butler news, what I heard is don't discount the Hawks. Um, um, they've got Popolillo or whatever his name is, a little <laughs> little bloke. Um, they might, they're looking at, they, they need to reinforce that end of the ground, particularly with Cyril no longer there. Um, and Butler, see the problem with Butler is rep, he... He's, I love Butler. I think he's underrated completely, right? He has a freakish talent. His just consistency is not there at work rate, but he's really doing everything he can to improve it. But on McIntosh, see, where we're getting as a club, this is just natural growth of our club. Our skill level has gone up a level. 
So our base skill level that we used to play in 2017 was, in some cases, bog average compared to other teams. So you would hear a lot of feedback that Richmond's winning because of work rate, not because they've got skillful players. And then the role play thing here, and off it went. Now, because our, and this is effect of our superb drafting, right? So we're now drafting the right type of players. We're identifying elite talent. So our base level, skill levels jumped up, right? So we've got players that are, mate, they're legends of the club. They're, you know, I love them, right? I love Macca. I love Ellis. But these guys' limitations are going to be um, – we don't have to carry anymore. Even though they do, they do some things great, but we've got kids underneath them that are better disposable of football and work just as hard and deserve an opportunity. Um, so um, it's a changing of the guards. So I heard that a while ago, Gold Coast Sun uh, also into Macca. Um, I've also heard that um, uh, Hawthorne sh- uh, sniffed around at him, um, St Kilda. I've had a, I've had a look at him as well, um, but yeah, no, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose a few, um, and you know we'll support them. Um, but with Macup, I but in saying all that, I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed on, but because he's still contracted, I believe. I think he he's got one more year. Yeah, I think he's still got one more year of his contract left, so um, you know he can stay, but. Um, yeah, no, it's it's great for us because I can't wait till we see Nash, back pocket wing, um, you know, Manager finally getting a crack, Oleg Markov finally getting a crack. You know what I mean? you got RCD finally getting a crack. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's uh, definitely Raise a bit of a watch this space. Right. So good news there. Yep. We'll keep watching that with interest. Okay, well, uh, we'll start getting stuck into the preview for the big grand final versus the Giants. Um, I know last week we had uh, Jared Waitley on who gave us his thoughts about the Geelong situation, but a lot of people have caught wind of this, and we've now actually gone into to the international market, um, which might surprise some of you, but uh, I've got a few contacts at ESPN, uh, thanks to Rodney Dangerfield, and tonight I'd like to introduce to the show Stephen A. Smith, who uh, who does work on ESPN, and he he wanted to call up. He he approached us, and he wanted to, to to come through and give his thoughts on the game. So Stephen, are you there? Stephen. Oh god, this is uh, this has gone real well. This cake. <laughs> I can see you, I can see you, but I can't hear you, Rodney. Oh, no idea what's going on here. You there, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, this is back alive. It, it is. Yeah, no, you're on. You're on now. I've got you there. Yeah. I still can't hear. You. That's right. Well, uh, we might push on and start the preview with, uh, with our Stephen. If he gets back on the line, we'll jump back there. Um, before we get started going through the preview, I do want to put a just a reminder out to some idiot journos and opposition supporters who keep saying, I keep reading this line, that apparently we're the only team on Saturday that has something to lose, and the, the Giants don't. And <sighs> I don't get it, because at oh, the end stupid. of the day, oh, we're both playing for the 2019 Premiership. So... In my mind, if you're a Giants player or coach or fan, that's still a lot to lose. So I just hope people can kind of back off uh, from that angle. But it's the last Saturday in September, playing the grand final. It's a, a huge effort given the year we've had, and it's it's not going to be an easy game. It'll be tough. The Giants have hit form the last few weeks. I'll just go through a few uh, stats here. The Giants rode to the grand final 
Defeated the Bulldogs by 58 at home. Defeated the Lions by three points away. Defeated Collingwood by four points away. Um, the last two games were probably a bit more brutal than they would have liked, but they've, uh, they've definitely improved their form over the last month prior to the home and away season when they were kind of up and down a little bit. And then our road to the final, defeated the Lions by 47 points and uh, obviously knocked off the Cats by 19 points. And we spoke about before the last time we met. Um, I just want to that take margin a- flattered, by the way. That, that margin flattered the Cats. The 19 points? Yeah, I, 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 that was that was a 36-plus point win there. That we, I mean, we missed some absolute sitters in that second half, but that, that was an absolute shellacking in the second half. And we just didn't capitalise on uh, on the scoreboard. So yeah, let's take that into consideration as well, lads. Yeah, fair call. Um, having a look at the just the comparison lineups from what both teams put out in the park in our most recent finals. So the changes would be for us. So out would be McIntosh, Stack, Chol, Egmelesi, Smith, and the ins would be Caddy, Nankervis, Baker, and Graham. Although we although we know that Graham's a ninety percent chance to not play. And for the Giants, they'll be without... Well, they had Delidio, Coniglio will be out, hopefully, uh, Simpson and Buntine. And in for them is Kelly, Finlayson, Keefe and DeBoer. So some good changes from the last time we met from both teams, assuming that things go to plan. It's going to be a tough game, Justin. What have we got to do to win it? Just more of the same. And I I, I just see it... um... Look, if uh, if DeBoer goes to Dusty, which he probably will, Dusty will take him straight down back. The big forwards will play up. They'll expose him one-on-one, and Dusty will kick a bag. Okay? Um, and I'd like I'd like to see that anyway, because Dusty owes him, and, uh, and I, I think he's up for it. He's in really good touch. Um, it's just the bruise above his knee. So, so that... That uh, matchup there, I'm looking forward to. It'll let that one play out. But then you've got all like Cochin, Prestia, um, Shadow. We have, we haven't touched on Edwards. Like he didn't have a massive game um, possessions wise on the on the weekend. But gee whiz, like the touches that he did have were sublime. I mean, you can't sit on all of them. And uh, I think they're going to try and rough us up. I think they're going to try and play physical. But our discipline, we just fly above that shit. Um, they may do their homework and may pick us apart early, um, but I, I just see us once again absorbing, um, taking their best shot. They'll be, you know, I, I thought they played their grand final against Collingwood. They were too happy to get in, if, if you know what I mean. Like that was, it was probably against the flow, and and they've probably been against the flow all the way along. And I just don't see them being able to get up again like that. I think in the second half we'll run right over the top of them and. Uh, I think we'll see our big forwards having an absolute field day. I think Jack can't play as bad as he did um, the other night. I think he's in for a bag, and he's a proven big game performer. Um, And if we can get our structure and get the game looking like a Richmond game as soon as possible, um, I think it'll be lights out. We'll be able to savour the result from halftime, I'm tipping. And I saw you tweet about this today as well. It's a question that has to be asked, I guess, with in terms of the ruck department. Mumford's obviously going to yep. do bulk of their ruck duties. And to be honest, he's not much drop. He's, he's lost the plot. It's his last game. He hardly trains. Um, I know, I'm in no way comparing Soldo to Grundy, but Grundy had 70-odd hitouts. But for my mind, the, the difference between us and Collingwood is that Collingwood didn't make any use of those 72 hitouts. They had no targets to kick to. Their midfield butchered it. If Soldo can get 30, you know, good hitouts, we're going to make the most of that. So do you 
Do you stick with Soto yeah. and Nank, or do you try and bring another runner yes. in? 100%. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, I saw some people, you know, question. Now, let's be honest. Nank didn't have his best game. He wasn't running on top of the ground. He was sort of... Um, there's something energetically wrong with with Nank. He, he got pushed around by Radigalia when he went into the ruck as well, and that normally doesn't happen. But he still had some really telling hit-outs. One of those to Prestia that resulted in a goal. Um, you know, it was a clear hit. I mean, he's still an elite ruckman. And I think GWS have to be looking at what we're doing. Um, we don't need to be responding to what uh, GWS does. And if they're going to play one ruckman, we still hammer them with two. Um, I think the balance right now is right. And and you don't you don't mess. Like right now, we've won that position for, you know, 12 weeks in a row. We've won that position 12 weeks in a row, okay? So let's put that in context, um, and there'd be no reason to, uh, you know, to mess with that. And we see Soldo, I mean, he took some fantastic defensive marks. He did. Really yeah. telling marks that really rebounded, um, rebounded at the footy for us on Friday night. He was, I mean, he's just grown and grown and grown. His composure is there. I'd like to actually see Soldo work uh, Mumford forward um, and see if he can get a grab because – Soldo's a very good kick for goal, um, so that that's how I'd like to. I would, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if they were to, you know, change up the ruck combination because I think it's been really working, and we've won that position over the last twelve weeks. So we yeah, won't change that. Definitely agree. Yep. And uh, and thanks to everyone. The I other question think... that's um, been <laughs> thrown out there a lot, and it's probably the obvious weakness, I suppose or strength for the Giants, should I say, is their forward line in the, the height of their forward line versus our back line. So you've got Jeremy Cameron at 196 centimetres, Himmelberg at 194, Finlayson at 196, and Tomlinson, when he floats down there, at 194. Uh, and by contrast, we've got Asprey at 195, Grimes at 193, Broad at 192, and then Vlosten at 187. So I feel like they may have the ability to stretch us, and I kind of feel like this game is going to be reliant on team defence. Do you think, as opposed to 100%. relying on our actual defenders? Which comes back to a Richmond, how we want to play our Richmond game. So forwards and mids putting incredible pressure on the ball, so that, you know, the, the balls the balls they're kicking aren't quality balls into the forward line. They're just haphazard kicks into the forward line where we get the two on three, you know, the the one on two, you know. Floating over the back, um, and it's just going to be more of the same, boys. It, it's the, and that's what I mean by as soon as we can get it on our terms and looking like a Richmond game. That's what a Richmond game is: pressure on the footy, so that we're hanging off you when you kick it, so that you don't actually have, um, you know, good quality ball in. This is why when opposition teams pick us apart with those little switch kicks and keep possession. And just inch their way forward until they till they get to the half forward line, and then they can have a quality kick into the the hot spot, that spot just outside of. Uh, that's when we get in trouble, right? So that's where we've got to change things up so that we make them have to play on from those kicks, um, and don't give them those little chip kicks, uh, and make that adjustment quickly so that they're haphazard balls into their forward line. Yeah. That's how I see it. But, yeah, one-on-one, I think it's going to stretch us, but I don't, we don't play one-on-one like that. We don't play one-on-one in our back line. It's, it's always you, you're kicking the ball scrappy into your forward line where we can read the ball and then one sits off uh, and, then, and then creates that um, extra man up. And Grok, where are you at with this one, mate? 
Um, just going back to the whole ruck situation. Firstly, I think I've, I think we personally do need to play the two ruckmen, um, only for the simple fact is Mumford is a very aggressive physical ruckman, and I think it'd be a little bit too much for Soldo, who's still only in his twenty fourth AFL game, to have to go up against Mumford, you know, all game with no support. And one of one of the things that I think gets overlooked is the fact that it's Mumford's last game and Mumford does have a history of belting blokes. It's and not his last blokes. game. It's not his last game. He'll be doing a modified, sorry, Grok, he'll be doing a, a playing coaching hybrid next year. So he'll play less games, but he'll still be playing games. So yeah, he, can't I've go, heard, he can't go Terminator. I've, yeah, I've heard that he won't actually be playing any games next year. You know, no, he's, AFL playing. Anyway. he's playing. Yeah, he's playing up to 12. But, yeah. I, th- I think Mumford will will be running high on emotion. He always does, and I think he'll be a very physical presence. And I think we do need Nank in the side to help combat that. You know, Nank is a physical presence himself, and he's not going to let Soldo get absolutely smashed and battered by by uh, by Mummy in the ruck. So I, on that, I do think they're the two. Uh, they we do need to play the two ruckmen. Um, I think the key to to the GW to the GWS game is just breaking even with their midfield. Their midfield absolutely pants Collingwood on Saturday. Absolutely destroyed them and that's with that's without Ward and, you know, uh Canelio and all the all these players. And th- they do run very deep through their midfield and I think as a our midfield needs to be really accountable both ways. I think we saw that in the first half against Geelong, we sort of weren't running too well defensively, putting pressure on it. It put our back line under immense pressure, you know, with no support upfield and was giving their forwards a massive look. And GWS's forward line is 10 times better than what Geelong's is. It is a massive, massive difference in quality with the players that they have compared to Geelong. So if we even slip, you know, 10% off what we should be doing, then they'll absolutely pants our, our defence and... I think Jeremy Cameron is the one that worries me. Obviously, you know, the game earlier in the season, you know, he kicked seven on us and he's still a massive worry because he's too mobile for um, for Asprey. So he's got Asprey covered on the lead and he's a little bit too tall for Grimes as well. So he poses a real problem for us, especially if our midfield doesn't transition. So I think the key to, um, you know... The Jetta West game is absolutely breaking even with their midfield and, and running defensively. If we can get that right, Jetta West have shown that they can be they can be scored against on transition if their midfield doesn't win the clearance. So I think you know stopping their midfield from any advantage they may have in the the clearance and you know the contested possession game that's going to go a long way for us winning. And Tig seventy one, the million dollar question: Who plays on Toby Green? Oh, I couldn't care, really. Um, what I see, just my quick bob is on Mummy. Um, his biggest weakness, because um, he's quite fat, is he gives all these free kicks away, right? So having Soldo there, he, which is taller, one of the tallest rucks he's coming up against, he's going to be giving free kicks away probably three a quarter. Um, and you Soldo undersell... Soldo right the top of him. Yeah, well, and you also undersell Soldo. He is, he is Croatian, no, mate. Me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Soldo yeah. will get up the top of Mummy. Oh, yeah. And Soldo, if Mummy tries to go the bully on Soldo, Mummy would be waking up the next day. Because Soldo, um, pound for pound, um, uh, yeah, uh, Mummy couldn't compete. But um, 
on the actual game itself, people are talking GWS up, and it infuriates me. See, GWS, the reality is it's going to be a beautiful day, which is great. The reality is they're going to be big, hopefully bringing in three of their gun players in, right? Which is fantastic, which is exactly what we want. See, there's no surprise GWS has started performing finals-type football when their elite talent, um, their top elite talent, has disappeared. So the reason is their biggest weakness, all finals, the reason why I don't get to this, they love playing beautiful football, right? They love sh- showcasing their skills. They love being able to run on that wing, doing that, you know, getting it past um, to forward 50 and then doing that lysing, um, lancing, um pass into their forwards and off they go when but that always breaks down in files in really high pressure games so when they lost a bit of talent and they got these um triers in still good players but triers in they played ugly football um and they started getting results so i don't worry about gws like who plays on who plays on um that little midget um that loves tearing people's eyes out i don't care because it's our system that will beat theirs um uh, Geelong got on top of us not because our mid um, our players didn't run defensively. They got on top of us because they got clearance. That's our weakness. If our midfielders aren't on and they get that quick clearance kick, um, and we can't get first possession um, after the contested, you know, post clearance position, we can be exposed. But our defence now has improved to such a point they can absorb thirty six inside fifties and only concede two goals, but four points. Um, so. As G, look, GWS has um, Cameron's the one I worry on. He's always had good um, good games on us, but now we've got our full complement outside of Rance. Um, our midfield's better. Our forward line's a lot better. Um, they have more to worry about us than we have with them. I seriously believe if we can keep them, if we can keep the game ugly, um, make it heavily contested, and what I mean by that is, even though statistically we're not a great stoppage side. Um, we're actually pretty lethal on the outside of a stoppage. We've got that that's sort it. of work. That's yeah. 100%. and it's we need one, it. It's the it's the it's the contest after when it becomes clear on the stoppages where it's, we're dynamic. You know, and that's we're hanging off you. And that's exactly my point. That feeds onto um, that takes their biggest strength out of GWS at the moment. They score most of their goals from stoppages, right? And another funny thing. They've copied us in 2017. One of the innovations Hardwick made because of the, the talent we had on the park in our forward line to protect us on turnover, he used to kick to the pocket in our forward 50. Always did it. Kick to the pocket so we could set up and then we could score. GWS is now doing that from what we've done. But we know we've got the tools on how to counter that and break that down. That's why we don't generally do that now. So um, I'm pretty confident uh, we're going to win. I reckon it's going to be a close game, though. I don't think it's going to be... Um, you know, 10 goal, 12 goal win, even though I wish it was, because I'm going to the game, which is going to be great. Um, but look, I reckon we'll win by two or three goals. Um, yeah, that's what I think it'll be, around about 12 to 18 points. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a six goal win, but we'll see. And you mentioned about a few players coming back in. Uh, I mean, I suppose the big talking point is Lockie Whitfield coming back in. I think it's going to be, what, 11 days post-operation after having his appendix removed, albeit that's keyhole surgery these days. But, Justin, coming from like a, a past player's perspective, playing uh, that soon after a surgery, I mean, is there a, a big element of risk involved in that for the Giants? And, and if you're a Richmond player, are you going after him pretty hard pretty early to test him out? You know, we don't play, the, we don't play like that. Um, there's... There's a level of sportsmanship that just um, 
it's it's not that we we won't avoid tackling him and, and making him feel it, and uh, but I just don't think that'd cross the minds of our guys. There's a uh, you know do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's uh, that there's a level of um, we're going to beat you to the letter of the law, you know. And um, but what I will say, an operation. H- how many days is it? I think it's end up being 11. about eleven days post-op. Eleven days. Okay. You know what I will say? A general anaesthetic knocks you around. It it destroys the uh, good bacteria in your gut, and it it, it it doesn't make you feel good. So, you know, there's going to be lingering effects of uh, of, of the uh, uh, of the anaesthetic, in my opinion. Um, the same. I actually hope Canelio gets up. He hasn't played for ages. I think that plays into our hands as well. I think it's so. Like 10 I or 12 actually hope. Weeks. Yeah, yeah, round seven. Right. Right, so that's that's a long time, guys. Yeah, so for sure. I actually hope they do. I, and there's, we know that there's no substitution for match practice. You know, we've seen that with Nank trying to get back. Um, you know, he was in and out. He needed some, you know, some some run in the twos. You know, to get you know to get back on top of the ground. And um, I actually hope Cornelio does play because I think that you know he'll be a liability fitness wise and certainly touch wise and got to be confidence wise as well. So whilst whilst I don't think we'll target these guys in terms of injuries, like I, like there's no doubt. I think if Jack um, Jack Graham does play, I think those dirty dogs will target Graham um, because that's the way they play. Um, you know that they, they don't have that same integrity that we do. But um, I certainly think uh, that that if if those guys play, um, you know, that'd be a bonus for us. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Justin in that if Whitfield does play, I don't think that we'll actively seek him out, you know, to niggle him or make him feel it. But that being said, if he's there with the ball and we have the opportunity to tackle him, oh, we, yeah. will, we will we'll let, smash we'll speed him. Tackle him. Oh, yeah, spear tackle him. Yeah. The only worry I, is the spirit I, of the game rule. If they try to yeah. say some fucking shit, oh, if you crunch his ribs because that's where his appendix or whatever, mate... But, if they're worried about that, he should not be playing. That's Once exactly you cross right. over that line, you should be you should be a hundred percent fit. And if you're not, then you can't expect play you know the opposition to take it easy. They're trying to win a game, and right now it's a grand final. Everyone out there is going to go a hundred percent to try and win. And if that means smashing into someone who probably shouldn't be out there, if he's feel you know he's still sore or he's still healing, then so be it. But yeah, I, I don't think that we'll actively go out to seek him like what GWS did with Cameron, just constantly into him. But if the opportunity arises for us to smash him, we will. But I think with the Toby Green thing, um, I, do, I think Nick Floston will be the one that goes to Green. Um, obviously, Green is a physical player. He's quick and, and that. But I, I think Nick Floston has got enough to go with him. And if Green tries any of his dirty crap on Tigger, Tigger's not gonna take that. Like he'll he'll smash back into Toby Green. Like he he won't he won't put up with it. So I I think Tigger's probably our best option for Green if um if Grimes plays on Finlayson or or Tomlinson. Yeah fair enough. I, I don't mind that as well. Alright before we let you go fellas we will get a final margin and an Ormond Smith medalist we'll chuck that in there as well so TIG71 I'll start with you not that the margin matters we're not playing for percentage but it's always good to guess Oh like I said three goals um, so eight 
say 18 points. Uh, Norm Smith, I actually think Edwards. Very good. Mm. Uh, I think Richmond by 27 points. I think it'll be a pretty close game uh, for the first three and a half quarters. And I think with the physical toll that GWS have gone through over the last few weeks and that massive game in the wet against the Pies that was very physical, I think we'll run over the top of them halfway through the last and have a pretty comfortable win. Norm Smith, for me, I think uh, it, I think it'll be uh, one of Basher Hooley or Dion Prestia, and I'll, I'll go Basher Hooley. Fair enough. And Justin? As I said before, boys, I think it's going to be um, a pretty typical Richmond win, and I think if we kick straight... Um, which has been our nemesis all year long. I think it'll be. I think it'll be that thirty-six range, thirty-six point range, if we don't kick straight. But if we kick straight, it's going to be sixty plus points. I think we'll run over the top of them in the second half. I think we're certainly fresher. Um, the guys are really hungry. Um, this is their time. Um, they've done everything right uh, in their preparation. Um, the club's in a great space. Everything's full full ball. Um, Sixty plus points is my margin, and you guys pinched my one, so you must be reading my mind. I, I was originally <laughs> going to say Shedder for Norm Smith, and then I thought Basher Hawley really deserves, uh, you know, because he arguably could have maybe. I, uh, certainly, Dusty was the Norm Smith for mine last time, but Basher was so close. Um, I was going to say Basher, but uh, seeing how you two guys picked those. I'll go the skipper Trent Cochin just because it would be just deserves just rewards for uh, for leading the team the way he has on and off the field. He's uh, and uh, the way he goes at the footy. Um, he, he turned the game last week with a tackle, and he had a really good game all the way along. Um, that one-on-one contest that he beat uh, Ablett and managed to get oh, the ball out. Brilliant. I mean, wasn't it? I mean, and he he, he dobbed the ball over with deft touch. Uh, to Bolton and, and, and we were away, I think, or Castagna, I can't remember now. Um, but, you know, it's that kind of effort. I think he's going to get rewarded uh, with the Norm Smith. So there you go. All right, awesome. I'll go the uh, Tigers by 19. And I reckon and, and, Dusty might go back-to-back for the Norm Smith. Oh. So we'll uh, <laughs> see how we go there. But uh, anyway, promises to be a fascinating game and it's very exciting to just be there. And like Tim says, we've put ourselves in a position to give ourselves a chance to win the big prize. And... <laughs> I think no matter what Tiger fans uh, win or lose, we should be very proud of what the boys have achieved this year. And uh, but obviously we hope we do come away with the win, and um, everything will, you know, be happy, and we'll all spend a fortune on more memorabilia and build up our man caves again, which will be nice. Fantastic, so, Crocodile. Before you go, before you go, guys, um, Tiger seventy one. Have you done any um, interesting poos lately? <laughs> no, um, no, I haven't had the trip to Geelong yet. Um, what I figured, what I figured, what I'll do after the grand final, Grock and I will start off at um, Collingwood HQ. We'll do a couple of loads yeah. there because the reason that's important is because when we get on the freeway, there's a hungry jacks. So then we can pull over to hungry jacks, load up, head off to Geelong, do a do a what we need to do then, and then if you're up for a Grock, we can then head off to um, Sydney, mate, to Canberra. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. So. I don't even know where they. I don't even know where they. Do they even have a home ground? Spotless is a call, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah no, actually, I won't shit in Spotless because, like, they're still a franchise club. So, you know, um, they're not. Even, you know, it's like Adelaide. People go, Adelaide's a real club. Red Rooster has been running longer than the Adelaide. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> I can't open that up, mate, because you get hate mail. Trust me. It's, yeah, no. Yes, we will do poos. It will happen. It will be videoed. <laughs> yep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, very good. Um, okay, Tix71, Grok, and Justin, thanks so much again for coming on, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, hopefully the tigers get up and we can celebrate our 12th flag. Oh, it'd be Go awesome, five. wouldn't it? If we All do right. podcast next week. Oh, I, I'll be drunk, so I'd be drunk the whole week, so I'll probably be out of it. Live from Punt Road. There you go. Oh, <laughs> no, that should be a good game. All right, thanks again, guys, and go Tigers for Saturday. Go, go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!